welcome back to another episode of Context. We are here at the University of Notre Dame with our guest, Derek Cassio, who's visiting. Um, Derek, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Hector. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Notre Dame, for bringing you here. And we're just taking advantage of the fact that you're here visiting our campus and hanging out with our students. So thank you so much. Um, but let's get right into it. Sure. Let's, um, I mean... A lot of people know you, they know your work, they know kind of uh, your design, your aesthetic, your style. Um, but for those who don't know who you are, give us an elevator pitch about you. Sure. So I am a uh, professor at Wentworth Institute of Technology in their industrial design department. Um, prior to doing that, I've worked for a whole bunch of companies. Um, Philips, I was designing lighting for Philips. I worked at Staples designing office supplies. I was a design manager on the Marvel team at Hasbro for a brief period of time. Um, but I've been teaching you know, pretty consistently throughout that whole entire thing. And that's kind of where my path has led me now. Um, I started an organization called Design Museum Boston with Sam Aquilano back in 2008. Uh, and that's grown to be, we just had our 10 year anniversary, although I haven't been with the museum for, uh, for a few years now. Um, but Sam's really worked hard to turn that into something special. So if you're interested, check that out. And uh, I also have a small educational board game company called Fourth Law Labs that develops um, lab kits that are gamified, which is kind of cool. So that's where I'm, that's what I'm doing now. Wow. <laughs> so much, so much. Uh, we are going to start dissecting a little bit of everything that you just talked about. So cool. let's start off with uh, you as an, as a student, where'd you go? I went to school at Massachusetts College of Art and Design, although at the time it was just called Mass Art. Okay. Massachusetts College of Art. Sure. And uh, I studied industrial design there and graduated in 2006. Oh, nice. Okay. And how, tell us a little bit about your undergraduate um like experience. experience yeah. yeah. So I had a very interesting undergrad experience. I, I went to school at Rochester Institute of Technology, um, which actually ended up playing a very big role in the rest of my career because most of the people that I worked with were RIT grads. Yeah. Um, but I transferred from RIT. I was doing film and animation there and I transferred out. I went to school uh, for nine months um, online, actually early days of online education at Middlesex Community College. And then I transferred into MassArt. And my undergrad experience was a little different because I, I had entered a little bit older and I worked um, pretty much full time the entire time I was in school. And I also double majored while I was there, but I, I dropped my second major of illustration like my senior year for a whole bunch of reasons. But, um, but I ended up doing a lot of the organizational stuff there. So I, I, I used to so I worked as an assistant property manager in my dorm and I also worked um, doing like janitorial stuff and I worked in, I was a student trustee and I was very involved on campus. And so I ended up being the person that kind of organized a lot of the student activities. I was running IDSA Boston with Sam that I, who I started the museum with um, and Sarah Stump and Shannon Buono and Bruce Lee. <clears throat> yes, his name is Bruce Lee. Uh, and, and we did that for a long time too. So a lot of my undergrad experience was actually doing a lot of professional development work and organizing a lot of that kind of stuff. So, you know, the school work was there, um, but I also had this whole other side that, that helped set me up for a career when I was, uh, when I was done. Wow. So, okay. So that's amazing. You were at RIT, then you transferred out. Did you know about industrial design while you were at RIT? No. Uh, which is funny because, you know, Sam, who I ended up doing a lot of work with, was Went an RIT, RIT strat. Right. And a lot of my friends, my friend Sean, who works at Hasbro now, was there. And my first boss, Tom Malnow, was from RIT. And, you know, I didn't know what any of that was. And we were very much, we were in the same building, actually, mm -hmm. as the as the industrial designers were when I was in 
animation, yep. but I had no clue. And I used to look at the the art of Star Wars episode one book mm. and I was like, how are they doing that? Like I saw that stuff and that's what got me into doing, you know, I wanted to do concept art and, and prop design and, and character design work because I saw Toy Story and I was like, that's what I want to do. But I didn't know how they were doing any of that work. Now, fast forward, I go to Mass Art and I start learning about Prismacolor markers. And I was like, oh, that's how they're doing. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I get it. And this whole world unfolded to me. And I found out that all these folks that did the kind of work that I was interested in all had ID backgrounds. Mm. And so I said, well, where am I going to go to school? And I was originally looking at Ringling um, School of Art and Design down in Sarasota, Florida mm-hmm. to continue doing film and animation. But that was way outside my price range. And my uncle, who graduated from Mass Art in like 74 or 76, was like, oh, you should look at Mass Art. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And it turns out they had an ID program. So I was like, oh, I'll do that. And that's how I ended up yeah. in industrial design. <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. So you, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome because you combine your illustration kind of training that mm. you had at the time with now design and fast forward to today you can see that in your work yeah. you can see that in um you know your your art you can see it in obviously you told us today that you worked on the thor you know toy line yeah, yeah. and i mean you that's just something that you i don't know you just have to definitely dive into that part of art to to design stuff like that yeah i mean i think you know there's there's there are a lot of designers out there that do that kind of stuff too Mm -hmm. that i i particularly in the toy space like there seems Mm -hmm. to be a lot of folks that are that mesh those two things together really well um which is why i was really excited to to be doing some of that kind of work but for me it was one of those things where you know i had these two halves of me or you know the way i think about it there's like all these different voices in your head that are talking and i've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make them all Mm-hmm. Be saying the same thing and how to switch those gears easily and, and not say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do il- illustration work now. And now I'm going to do ID work and mm-hmm. I have to shut those things off. I just want them all to work together. And I think there's, a, there are folks out there that do that really well that have been very, you know, at least formative for me to see how they do work and guys like Feng Zhu and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I think about like Fed, his work, like his nope. style of stuff is, is very similar in a lot of ways. There's yep. um, Robert Elkis has some really, really, he does illustration and industrial design. And, and I look at that work and I go, yeah, okay, this is where it kind of, I kind of fit into that mm-hmm. piece. And then at the same time, trying to carve my own way through some of those things and experiment when I have the time to do it. That's, that's awesome. There's a little bit of character development in there. There's mm-hmm. illustration, mm-hmm. there's design, there's structure. That's amazing. That is a very unique now, the center of, of all mm-hmm. that stuff, too, yep. are those basic design principles, though, yep. right? Like the, the foundational the stuff foundation. applies to everything. Yep. So important. The fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then you graduated from SRD, you said, in 2006. Yep. And um, what happened after that? So I gave I gave the commencement speech at my graduation. Oh, nice. Pretty rad. <laughs> and then uh, I, I remember getting off the stage and being like, I have to start work on Monday. <laughs> So I was very, I was very fortunate that I got a job um, coming right out of school. Now, funny story about that is that I, I had a job lined up. Turns out that job didn't actually come through, and it wasn't for like a week or two later that I ended up getting uh, a gig um, at Color Kinetics. And I got a gig at Color Kinetics and a a uh, two month stint at Herbs Bell 
um hlb hlb wow uh, i did a very brief stint there yeah. it went okay i was still very young didn't really know what i was doing um but that ended up and i got those both of those jobs i got a phone call about those yeah. on the same day and i was in new york city and it was super exciting so i was like oh i finally got a, a gig wow yeah and there's some other stuff that happened in between that, but that was like my yeah. thing and uh, i'd gone to interview with the guys at color kinetics and uh, mm. somebody that i knew through idsa said hey my my buddy is gonna be hiring here and I got them way early. Like he's like, oh, we're really not ready to be doing this yet. But I reached out and we kept the connection open. And then uh, that ended up being my first job. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, how long were you there for? I was there. So my first stint at Color Kinetics, I have this weird pattern oh. of like being places for like a year and then coming back later. So I, I was at Color Kinetics for a year. They got bought up by Philips. Hmm. It was a very tumultuous time at the company, at least for me. You know, there were two industrial designers. I didn't know. Phillips had a design team. I didn't know if they were going to yeah. let us go. What was going to happen? I got a phone call from my buddy at Staples. Uh, Chad Kendall, great designer, called me up, said, hey, listen, we have a position open. Would you be interested in coming to interview? So I got that job. So I left Color Kinetics. Mm. I was at Staples for a year. And then after a year of that, they asked me to come back to Color Kinetics. Color Kinetics. And so I went back and did that. And I was there for about like five years on and off. Yep. Like I was there full time. I was design manager there eventually after my boss left and moved on to some other stuff. And, and then... Uh, we started the museum in 2008, right around the same time I gotcha. was back there. So that, that was all happening in parallel, which was yeah. a lot. Tell us about Staples. Oh, Staples was, Staples was, uh, Staples was awesome. Um, Michael Kent was the design manager there. It was a very small team. Um, he, he asked me, I remember coming in for that interview and I sat down and Chad had talked me up and he's like, so are you the guy? I was like, yeah, I'm the guy. And he's like, great. You want to start Monday? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm getting into here. Um, but I love office supplies. It sounds silly, but I love products. I love office products. I love organizational stuff. I love pens. So for me, it was a really natural fit. Um, it was super intense. Staples was awesome. I mean, sta we, we, we touched everything. Everything with a Staples brick on it, mm. I touched. I, I worked on like 300 products wow. one year. It was, it was insane. We were there till two in the morning. We were there doing all kinds of stuff. And it was great. It was a it was a really great experience. I learned a ton. We were a very close knit team. It was me and Chad and and and, uh, and Michael and we had a lot of outside vendors that we managed. So I cut my management teeth there um, and really learned how to handle all those projects. And it turns out I was pretty good at that aspect of stuff. And that kind of ended up getting me into sort of a management track when I went back to to my other you know careers, other jobs. I sort of went into that pretty quickly. Um, but it was a uh, it was a great experience. But I left because it was just like, it was just a lot. Really and, intense. And uh, and I got courted back and yeah. there was, you know, the pay increase and a bunch of other stuff that came along with that. So, yeah. so like looking back at, uh, yeah. at your time at Staples, what is a, a, something that you learned from working there? Uh, so absolutely like managing buyers. Hmm. So when you work in retail, there's a group of people that are responsible for buying merchandise. Yep that you know the company will sell. So Staples sells a bunch of different products. So these buyers are responsible for different categories. And that was a very uh, interesting learning experience to know how to manage that mm. whole relationship, especially when we did own brand product. So Staples had its own brand product. Yep. And it's changed a lot now because they got bought out. So now they, they're, they've redesigned their mm. entire product line. It's really quite impressive. The, 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 the guy that took over, um, the design group over there has done a really excellent job. Uh, Dan Riley's his name. He did, he did great work. And, and we ended up having, you know, 
to sell folks on why we should be making our own product that was potentially the same or better than competitors, mm-hmm. it puts them in a really difficult position. So yeah. getting them to get buy-in, understanding how to get people to get on board with your ideas, making sure that they were happy. And, and uh, Michael taught me a lot about doing that, but just being on the job there. Uh, Sounds like a lot of business stuff. It, it was a lot of business <laughs> stuff, um, but it was also the creative yeah. stuff. So, yeah. you know, we'd be doing the meetings all day long and then I'd stay up till two o'clock in the morning doing yeah, the actual doing all design, the design. Or managing outside yeah. vendors and doing that kind of stuff. Wow. So what is something that students can take away from they see an opening at a job like as intense for yeah. Staples? Yeah. What what type of attitude should they come in? Well, I didn't know it was that intense yeah. when I got in there, which was probably a good thing because I don't know if I would have jumped yeah. in as, as quickly as I did. I think, you know, I think part of it is knowing who you are, yeah. right? And how you handle that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in school, like learning how to manage multiple projects, I did that. So like I, I was comfortable with all of the uncertainty and, and all of the, the chaos that came with that. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, one of the things that I think would be beneficial to do while you're in school is practice that kind of time management mm-hmm. and also practice, you know, creating overlapping opportunities and things that you can do to, to, you know, become like a force amplifier for what you're going to try to achieve when you get out. So, you know, making sure if you're taking on extra work or doing extra projects that those things can fit in with other things. Mm -hmm. And I think really the personal relationship stuff, the the thing that has helped me the most throughout my professional career has been my ability to talk to people and, and to have a conversation and come to a general consensus around you know, what the goals are and, and be able to handle that stuff. So practice those soft skills, Please yeah. learning how to present your work is super important. Yep. Absolutely. Um, fast forward, let's mm. move over to, uh, the toy industry. Yeah. That sounds fun. It was. So <laughs> toys, toys is another one, right? Like I, when I got my, my toy, that toy job, um, I mean, I was over the moon. I, I was so excited yeah. and, you know, it was a lot of fun. The people were great. The people at Hasbro were absolutely amazing. And I still stay in touch with a lot of them. And, mm-hmm. and it's been a really awesome opportunity. Uh, I've worked with them a couple of times in my educational career. Uh, we've done some cool projects together. The The environment for me there, I think it's maybe more on the licensing side was very challenging. Like, mm. But having had, had worked with the buyers, that was really, I think, a helpful experience that informed how I dealt with that stuff on the, on the Hasbro end. Um, but at the time I had, uh, Wentworth came back to me. I'd probably still be there. Had Wentworth not come back to me and said, Hey, we'd like you to come back and teach full time. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll help you with the masters and some of that other stuff. And so for me, that was an opportunity that I I really couldn't pass up because Mm -hmm. I love teaching, uh, as much as I do. And, uh, it was hard to leave Hasbro and, and leave those guys. And, and, you know, Go like I said, time. I had a lot of friends that worked at that company. It yeah. was really awesome and it's continued. Um, but when that, when that opportunity came up, but as far as like the day to day at Hasbro and like conversing with the folks at Marvel and, and, you know, getting to read the movie scripts early and, and all that stuff was like a dream come true. It was super, super exciting. Wow. Um, and I got to work on collectibles and I worked on a lot of projects that didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of those things is that in design, and this was the same, this was true at Staples as well. You have to come to terms very quickly with quickly with the fact that like you're going to work on a lot of stuff that doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. and you have to be okay with that yep. and understand why those decisions are getting made and see how that fits into the whole picture. Uh, I think the, the, the people that don't do that are the ones that get very frustrated very quickly. And it's an important skill to have is to know how to kind of separate yourself from mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. So I have, um, and you do too, an obsession with transformers. I do. 
And I'm not talking about Michael Bay Transformers. No. <laughs> I think those are awful. <laughs> <laughs> Bumblebee entertaining. Entertaining. Bumblebee? Yeah, yeah. It was all right. They are, I think, cleaning up his mess. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah, no comment. Um, but uh, I have two older brothers, mm-hmm. and both older brothers are kids from the 80s. Yep. My oldest brother collected G.I. Joe's, mm-hmm. He-Man, yep. and Diecast Transformers. Yep. My older brother passed down his Diecast Transformer mint collection Ooh, to me. man. And I have it at home on a shelf, and they're gorgeous. Yeah. And um, I only have a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, no, I have like, I don't know, 40 oh or 60 goodness. of them. Wow. Um, they're amazing. And uh, those were like the, the 80s were like, yeah, I think essentially what like the, 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 the toy design, like that was yeah. like, that was, the, so there's a show on Netflix called The Toys That yeah, Made Us. Yeah, The right? Toys That Made Us. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much my entire childhood. And and that yeah. has a lot to do with why I do what I do now. Yeah. And if I track that stuff back, and I think this is an important thing for mm-hmm. people to do is kind of think about like, how did I get here? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think my mother for a lot of this stuff, but she thought that stuff was super cool and exposed me to it when I was a kid, which you don't hear very often, but wow. my mom loved Transformers and Starcom Jeez. and all that other stuff. It's a cool mom. And, yeah, she's super cool. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that that idea of you know mm. what transformers were but also like the, there was the the hero's journey stuff was mm-hmm. super big like he-man and optimus prime yeah. were like my role models aside <laughs> from my folks you know and and that was a big deal like you know what optimus prime yeah. stood for and yep. that set my code as a mm-hmm. as a kid that's right um and and i think that that has lasted all the way through yeah. and so when i went to hasbro oh my god i the can't home imagine of transformers yeah. right and my buddy Sean was on the Transformers team Jeez. and like there I was while they're making all this stuff. I think if I were still there, I probably would have ended up working on that stuff just because I, yeah. or at least I would have tried to, you know. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be some opportunities to do some stuff down yeah. the road. But, but it's, um, but that absolutely has had an impact on why that's I amazing. do the stuff that I do yeah. now. I mean, that's essentially how, why I went to school yeah. for design in high school. I uh, I went to a performing arts high school mm. uh, in Chicago. The theater. Yeah, there was theater, there was yeah. uh, dance, there was you know music and and drama. And I'm when you went to that high school, you had to select a major. Mm. So you had a major throughout wow. four years. So my major was set design. Cool. And so you that was your major. <laughs> you would take that class like for a longer period. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it, it was the class was supplemented by other you know um, classes that were very similar. That's so incredible. I took a lot of sculpture classes and in my sculpture classes, we, uh, we were building like things out of wood and I decided to make like toys, like old wooden yeah, neat. toys, airplanes and tanks. And my teacher was like, Hey, you should look into like industrial design. And I was like, what the hell, you <laughs> yeah, know, wait, what, the hell is, is what the hell is that? And he was like, you know, I don't know, but I know these schools have them. I heard about it once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Cause he was a sculptor yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. teacher. So he, he only knew what he knew. So I started researching and I landed on toy design Yeah, and I was like, Oh, cool. What are some toy design, you know, schools that I can go to? And I yeah. found Otis, yep. which is in LA. FIT. Yeah. FIT in New York. And I was like, ah, I can't afford any of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I stumbled across the Academy of Art University mm-hmm. in San Francisco and they mm-hmm. had a toy design and I was like, wow. So I applied to all of them and I got accepted to all of them and I couldn't go because they were so expensive. Yeah. But that didn't mean that I didn't like that, that dream of me, like yeah. I, I want to be a toy designer yeah. was 
that's how I ended up. Like I went to U of I in Illinois for toy for industrial design, but every project was like a toy project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah. I don't, I don't give a shit if the yeah. professor tells <laughs> yeah. me. But everything. But anyway, I graduated. It's a, lamp. It's yeah. a toy lamp, no problem. It's still a lamp. Like yeah. it's shoes, kids shoes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I graduated. And ended up doing work for like Nickelodeon and things like that, yeah. and a SpongeBob line and Dora the Explorer. And yeah, in Chicago, there's um, Chicago is the hub for toy invention. Mm-hmm. So you got like three or four toy invention studios yeah. that then pitch their ideas sure. to the bigger you oh, know, I used, Hasbro. I used to get those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that was fun. And I think that was my way of really like being in that industry and culture because yeah. it's so it was awesome yeah it's, it was really sweet it's it's, it's it's shockingly toys are interesting you know i wasn't even in it for that long and mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of had one toe still in it in different capacities mm-hmm. but you know i've worked with guys that were in the toy industry for 40 years 50 years yeah and uh one of the guys that worked on star wars um mark Boudreau, he's worked on it from day one he's been on that line for 40 years and he's amazing i mean it, it the work that what he's seen what he's done is incredible Jeez. and and it's really you know it's been it was very interesting to learn about that industry through through that experience. It is unbelievably ultra competitive. Yeah. Like, and you're talking about like it is so bottom line driven. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a little bit. I will, I'll be honest. It took a little bit of the magic away when you actually see that when you know how the sausage is made. Yeah. Um, it didn't stop me from loving that stuff. Yep. And, and it hasn't. But um, but that was a, that was educational in and of itself. And I was like, oh, this is very different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, we worked with so many freelancers that opened the door for me to talk to some of my favorite designers, too, because I could call them up and say, hey, listen, I'm with Hasbro. Mm-hmm. You interested in doing some work with us? Nah. And like oh. it was a different story. Right. Uh, and, and that was really, really cool. Um, that was a great experience, actually, that yeah. that aspect of it. Wow, that's amazing. It's never too late here. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'd, I'd have to move to Rhode Island, but that's cool. That was a long uh, commute. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long commute. Um, yeah, so now you're at Wentworth. Yeah. Full-time teaching. Yep. And then you recently got your MBA. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That, that must you. be very rewarding. So what does that mean? Now that you have your MBA, you have a master's degree yep. in business, which is... Yep actually um pretty cool because it, it supplements design it and um so now are you a full professor so the way it works at Wentworth, so i've been uh an assistant professor for the last three years now mm-hmm. um i will finish up and apply for what they call a regular appointment mm-hmm. which is Wentworth's version of tenure to an effect and then i can apply for a promotion in a, in a year and then a uh, full professor comes a couple years after that gotcha um but you know really all that means is that you are pursuing research and scholarly and creative work and you're doing mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff. This was things that I did not necessarily know about before I actually got into academia, no. but they have all of these different things that you have to do in mm-hmm. order to stay relevant, which is good, right? One of the things that I think is, is super important is that particularly as a professor myself, like I need to stay relevant, mm-hmm. especially if I'm going to be teaching students about the next generation of this kind of but stuff. Of course. Yep. Um, and so teaching full time, having the master's degree was helpful. I needed that to be able to continue to teach, mm-hmm. which is a whole different topic about the credentialing and, and the hurdles that come <laughs> yeah. with that stuff, um, whether that's good or bad. But but there's there's an aspect of, you know, keeping that skill set relevant that comes with every one of those kinds of of um criteria that you need to meet and so i'm doing that on a regular basis now and part of the you know the educational board game company actually spun out of a project we did at wentworth in partnership with the physics department wow and so i taught a a class we developed this game it was exceptionally good and we said look this needs to get into the hands of other people Mm -hmm. we want to get this out there so we built we, we productized it and we've been very slowly 
you know, moving that out there. So if you know a physics department mm -hmm. that is interested in a gamified lab kit to teach vector math, you send them my way. Wow. Uh, okay. It's a, it's a really, it's a really excellent experience. Yep. And it's one of those things that we're, we're now in the process of trying to market and get out there more earnestly. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Okay. School gives you those experiences though. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So like, what about like a professor of practice? Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, so we, <laughs> the, the Does lecturer type position, right. Where you can, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need the master's degree, but you can mm -hmm. teach. Um, we don't have that okay. at Wentworth. It would be a great thing yeah. if you ask me. Well, uh, of course, because of the line of yeah. work that you do, yeah. right? Um, so so we'll, we will see where that goes. Other schools do that. Yeah. Uh, it would certainly make it easier to find people who are interested in teaching design uh, who don't have that master's degree yeah. um, because that is a, that is a pretty substantial barrier for entry um, to a profession that doesn't necessarily require it uh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is Wentworth a public or private institution? Wentworth's a private institution. Okay. Um, we have, we're located uh, by the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, right on Huntington Avenue. Nice. And we're a part of the colleges of the Fenway, which is a, uh, sort of a consortium of different schools in the area. Mm. Um, in theory, you can cross-register and take classes at different colleges. There are many, many colleges in Boston. Um, the the per capita Institute of Higher Learning is insane. The um, so in the summer when everybody goes home, it's like a ghost town. But when the students come back, uh, you know, it's packed. the The whole idea around being able to you know, attend school in the city, I think is really interesting. Um, you know, we have a really unique opportunity to be able to be in one of the hubs of design. So that creates a lot of opportunities for the students. Um, and then to be around all the other schools that are doing different stuff, it's it's really, I think, a, a great place for, for a student to be. And, and it, it creates all these different opportunities for them. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, like Wentworth is one of the best design schools in the area. I, I, I mean, yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you have... I know so many graduates from there that are doing amazing work. Yeah. And even when they leave their senior work, it's like, um, our graduating class that just like, left wow. was, yeah. was wow. Because I go on your website yeah. Yeah. and you guys, when you and Carly post stuff yeah. online, like, Hey, check out senior work here. Yeah. And I'm like, yikes. <laughs> it's better than some professional work that yeah. I've seen. And, and yeah. particularly this class that just left was, was extremely strong. And, and yeah. our, our hope is that's going to continue. You know, I think we're a little bit of a dark horse when it comes to, you know, being a, a more recognized player in that space. Um, but that's something that we're, we're tackling and, and uh, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that. I feel like we're, we're making some really, really strong moves um, as far as being sort mm -hmm. of a setting a bar for what you can achieve as a design student. Yeah. You've had, you have students that have graduated from that program, like, you know, Connor. Oh yeah. You know, Connor. Yeah. your son who's at 3M. Mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine who sent me a message that, found out that you were coming oh, here yeah. and he was like he was my professor Who's david that? filar oh dave yeah yeah, yeah. he's a beaver uh yeah VF. so he he works at um what's the shoe company VF? called or vibram yeah vibram um just he was like say hello yeah <laughs> so no that, i think that's one of the best things about teaching is that like it lets me the networking side of me that really loves to connect people and mm -hmm. do that like i'm able to exercise that not only connecting my students with with career opportunities or co-op opportunities, but staying in touch with them. I mean, any of my old students that that listen to this or hear this, drop a drop a like <laughs> or a message. Yeah. And uh, you know, I it, for me, it's a super it's a super um, rewarding way of like just staying in touch with the people that that have have come through the program. And, yeah. and I love being able to do it. And social media has helped make that a lot more easier. Um, but uh, 
but I think it, it creates opportunities for future students as well. The alumni really are the heart and soul of, of what's going to make a, a program successful. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of schools tend to neglect that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they simply ask alumni for money, which is not something like it's important, but it's not, it's not the end all be all. I think there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And I think schools, like you said in the beginning, like it's about relationships. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect when the student graduates and leaves that relation. That's when the relationship needs to be the strongest because you need alumni to come and really validate the amazing work that's coming out. And it's not about the money all the time right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But that's amazing. What is in the future for Derek? Uh, So we bought a house, (laughs) which is really exciting. My wife and I bought a house and that's been an ongoing project. So we're going to wrap that up soon. Um, I'd like to be producing some more of my own you know, I was doing a lot of freelance work up until very recently um, with, with a great company out of Boston. Um, and I've done some projects here and there. I think I'd like to be able to focus a little bit more. I've got a lot more responsibility at school, so I'm going to spend a little more of my time doing that and focusing my energies on on improving what I can there. Um, but I'll be doing some of my own content. So my hope is that I can continue. I'd like to get back into doing some animation work. Um, I'd like to start continuing, or I'd like to continue doing some some of my online content development as well. And just get back to the stuff that I really, really enjoy mm-hmm. um, when I'm not doing my day job. That's awesome. And I know you were a speaker at Square One oh, last yeah. year. And that was super exciting for us to bring you to Chicago and um, make you a part of the advanced design family. Yeah. Um, thank you. I, <laughs> the way that I see square one, cause this is our third year. Yeah. Doing congratulations. The, the That's a big deal. Yeah. Thank you. The way that I see it is that it's, I, I see it kind of like a hall of fame of designers <laughs> because we're very, very selective on who is going to be a part of the conference. Um, because we again there's a hundred designers that we can ask and sure. just because there's a hundred of them doesn't mean they're all gonna say yeah. Some people just like to stay low key and yeah. stay out of the radar. Um but it's very important for us on who we collaborate with because um the audience, the people of that the, the community that we created, they depend on us to curate sure, the best yeah. of the best. And so we take that very seriously. So when we select our speakers, we're like, you know, it's, it's almost like a family for life, mm. right? It's not like, oh, you were a speaker here. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for your help. Right. Like we, we really see it as like a, a hall of fame. And I, and I don't know why I'm saying that because we're only three years young, but I, I do see it as a very exclusive club that you were part of the square one class of 2018. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it was, it was a real honor to be asked to do it. No. And I, I, you know, I love teaching and for me, it was an opportunity mm-hmm. to go and do that to a different audience. And I, I'd like to do that, you know, whenever I can, yeah. I'm still learning. And I think this is an important thing is like, I'm still learning too. So, yep. and I think that's a lifelong thing, especially for designers. Like I never want to stagnate or get old or mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to hone my craft further. You know, I'm certainly not the best, but I've got something to bring to the table, I think. Yep. And it was nice to be able to go there and learn from other folks that I admire mm-hmm. and see how they do their work and talk and interact. And, you know, if you can make it out to the to the San Francisco event, uh, you know, absolutely I think it's a great thing to do. I, I unfortunately I cannot make it this year, yeah. but I'll be there in spirit. I'll follow For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um you can you can FaceTime me in. Um <laughs> but it it's uh you know I think it's a really cool event and it's something that you know, is an important um, aspect of what we do as a profession. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, particularly with the drawing stuff, like 
I think it gets a little lost on why we, some people, it gets lost on why we do it, you know, or students don't understand why we actually do it. And for us, it's, it's a form of communication. It's a language like anything else yeah. and you have to practice it to get good at it and become fluent. And, uh, you know, it's enough to be conversational, but it's, it's better to be, be fluent in that language. So things Absolutely. like this, yeah. uh, like square one are an awesome opportunity to, you know, practice that yeah. language, right. Speak it with other people who speak the same language. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you're an educator, you're artist, designer, toy designer, concept artist, character designer, illustrator. Oh, my God. Everything. There's a bunch. Of- uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, so what, what is one thing, if you, would, if you were to give an advice to a student that's yeah. listening to this podcast, yeah. what, is, what is your advice for them as far as right now, it's their, maybe their senior year in school, mm-hmm. they're preparing a portfolio because... Mm-hmm. It's that time of the year that's coming by, mm-hmm. end of the year, and then it's time for them to start looking for internships. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the senior level, I think the advice I'm going to give right now is probably more beneficial to folks that are even that are not necessarily seniors, but I think it's still applicable. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to get out there and meet people. You have to not be afraid to ask folks for the things that you want, mm-hmm. um, you know, politely and cordially, and whether that's simply you know, reviewing work or, yep. you know, asking for an informational interview or just coming by for a visit, you have to get out there and you have to interact with people. Social media is fine and it's a great way to connect, but it doesn't, it doesn't supersede like an actual in-person communication. Yep. Um, and you know, your work has to be up to a level where that gets your foot in the door. But once the foot's in the door, like it's the rest of those skills that are going to help close the deal. Um, so I think doing that as soon as possible, and one bonus piece of information, if I can give you a piece of bonus advice, is a lot of the students that I see now, like you have to broaden your frame of reference, right? Mm-hmm. And when I mean that, when I say that, it's like you have to go back to the things that existed long before you were here and understand the things that came before so that you can influence what you're doing in the future. I think, you know, design history is super important, but not just that, like, old movies and other cultural contexts and history in general. And, you know, all of these things that at the time when you're a student, you may go, I'm not really into that or whatever. Um, I don't really care, but that's the stuff that's going to actually inform how you design and, and making sure that you're not just drawing the same thing over and over and over again, or coming up with the same design all the time. So that frame of reference, I find now that even though the world's information is at their fingertips, a lot of times students just kind of look at what's happening right now, because that's what's coming through the social media feeds or whatever. It's like very, very current as opposed to being, you know, 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. I grew up watching old black and white movies. Mm -hmm. Right. So that had, that had a lot of impact on like, my childhood, your, right? Yep. Old, old music, old, you know, all those things uh, will help create sort of that stew yep. that's going to be your your design. Yeah, I mean, but and also it's going to add to your storytelling. Yes. It's going to add yes. to your context, and it's going to make you. Um, wow, it's going to give so much value to your work. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I got. That's very good. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice are, are, are you, um, do you think a, a student who's listening as far as like trends, what's happening mm. right now in design? Design's always evolving. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're seeing a lot, 
UI and UX work. Yeah. And we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> frankly, UX as a thing is like mm-hmm. everything's UX. I don't I don't know why it's its own little piece, but that's fine. Either here or there. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the work is, is trending towards that digital mm-hmm. experience. I think where we're going to see a lot of that go is sort of those hybrid pieces. We're already seeing that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so being able to do the hardware and understand the software stuff at the same time, I think is an important one. Um, I think you're going to see... We're, we've already seen this as well, but I think the the push towards more customization mm-hmm. is key. All of the the rapid prototyping technology that we have available to us has made that you know it's not as hard anymore to make stuff, but it's now more. I think the focus is going to shift more on like what we're making, hmm. right? Um, sustainability, of course, is is always a hot a hot topic. Um, personally, I would like to see maybe a little bit of a shift in in sort of our concern for. Everybody's concerned that we're making things, but the, in my estimation, the only way that we're going to solve some of those problems is if we continue to make things, if we continue to push the envelope forward mm-hmm. to find the solutions and not worry about like, we're going to stop making stuff. I don't think that the, the way forward is not by slowing down. I think it's going to be by speeding up. Um, so I think the technology is helping us do that. I think it's going to be a matter of what we do now. But again, we could talk about that for hours. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Do you think that in our lifetime, we are ever going to achieve interstellar travel? In our lifetime? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, and I say this because I, I have a number of my friends are physicists. You're like, an astrophysicist. No. Um, I think that's going to be a hard, a very, yeah. that'll be a near impossible thing for us to do now. Okay. Um, but you never know. I mean, what, okay, was it? Well, they, what about Mars? They just, yeah, I think we'll see Mars. Okay. Yeah, we'll see Mars. And I think, uh, I think that, um, <laughs> you know, there was a bunch of UFO stuff that just came out recently. Yeah. I don't know, man. That, like, that is some wild stuff. And they said it was legit. And dude, like, that, that scares the shit out of me. I know. Man. So that, maybe we will see. In a good way. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. like, yeah. Whoa. I mean, there, there, there's a part of me, again, that kid that loved Transformers yeah. and grew up watching Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would like nothing more for that to be an actual thing that happens. But, um, yeah, but at that, the same time, you that know, gave me some full body chills. Yeah, when yeah I saw it, was, those videos. it was amazing. Yeah. So, if you haven't checked that, Google that stuff. That'll, <laughs> that'll throw you for a loop. It might change the way you're thinking about life. Yeah, but, yeah you're uh, like, I gotta start going to church. Gotta yeah, start loving my parents. Gotta start hugging yeah, everyone. Yeah. It's, it's um, wild. Had, did you go see the movie Ad Astra? Not yet. Oh, good. it's so good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's two hours long. That's fine. But, um, Man, the directors and writers are really pushing the envelope now, you know, with the space stuff. Uh, film and stuff like yeah. that. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, I'll, it's, I'll go see it with really my good. physics buddy. Go check it out. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be down. And there. then after that, go watch Joker. Yeah, I heard that was great. Too. I, that came out last night. I haven't seen it, yeah. but I, I've heard I some pretty movies. crazy movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. We've covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of stuff <laughs> about, about Derek. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Um, I know that this is a very heavy question, and yeah. I usually like to ask it because yeah. it's a curveball. Okay. Okay. But I think that everyone should start to think about this. Um, oh I, th- I think because it's important for everyone to figure out their purpose mm. here sure. in life yeah. and on this planet yeah. and this small rock and just thinking about what, what are they really doing mm-hmm. and how are they doing it with the time that we have. But what is the type of legacy that you want to leave behind? Yeah, you're, you're wearing a shirt that says I'm here to help. And actually <laughs> you, when you took over our page last yeah, year, yeah. you, you have yeah. a, an image. So, I mean, it's kind of my, that's sort of my, branding now Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the way that i think about a lot of stuff like you know for me that's sort of why Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm here um and 
it can be in a lot of different ways. Sure. And I really enjoy helping people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to give so much of myself away that there's nothing left. Nope. So you have to be smart about that. And if you're the type of person that likes to help and likes to be involved and, and do what they can to make something better, which I think is a lot of designers, um, you have to be careful that you don't overdo it. That was a lesson that I had to learn. But I think at the end of the day, if I look back on my career and you know, I look back, like people will remember me from, I hope, for, for helping them achieve goals and I'm trying to achieve my own at the same time. Mm-hmm. So how can I do both? And I think that that's something if everybody thought about things like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, how can I achieve what is best for me, but also achieve what is best for those around me? Then I think that you, you end up with a pretty good world. Um, I think you have to start with yourself first though. Mm-hmm. I think you got to get yourself right and then be able to help those around you. But that's, that's where I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. Well, you're a, an educator at heart. So selfless, humble, so I love that. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on here. Again, we are super, super grateful to have started this collaboration with you a while back when yeah. we started Advanced Design yeah. and just you being on the East Coast and affecting so many lives over there and doing amazing work over there. And hopefully we're able to to see what's to come from Derek Cassio, right? Um, as you transition into this full professorship at yeah. Wentworth. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. We really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, appreciate and it. And thanks for tuning in. We will see you at the next context. And... Square one. Oh, yes, square one. Check it out. <laughs> Stay tuned. Bye, Take everybody. care.